Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. The book of Acts. We're in conference time. So we're going into the book of Acts this morning. Chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 13. And we're going to be reading verses 2 and 3. And also 4 of chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Now this is speaking, is talking about the church of Antioch. Which was a tremendous, tremendous church. And it gives a description of what was happening within that church. In verse 2 it begins and it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for the beautiful blessings that we have received in the service this morning. And now I pray that you continue to pour out your blessing upon your people. Let it be that this morning we will be able to surrender fully our lives to you. And be that woman, be that man that you desire for us to be. Lord, speak to us, I pray, this morning. And that as you speak, we may be able to respond. And we give you the praise and the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to talk to you, I'd like to speak to you on the theme of our conference, which is called, A Call to Greater Commitment. A call to greater commitment. Now, in chapter 13, we find that this chapter deals with the church of Antioch. A church that was a tremendous, powerful church that is recorded in the New Testament. Now, we all know of the church of Jerusalem. And there's a vast difference between the Jerusalem church and the church of Antioch. The Jerusalem church was the first church when the Holy Spirit on the upper room came and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. Many of those people, after the Pentecostal experience, when Peter began to preach, and he was preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there were people that were from different provinces and from different areas that when they heard Peter speak, they were converted. And there were many that turned to Christ and many that were converted. Now, of all these people that were converted, the Bible says that they all remained in Jerusalem and had things in, they were all in one accord and had all things in common. There was a Christian community that developed in Jerusalem after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and after the Peter and other disciples began to preach the gospel. But one of the things that happened to this Jerusalem church was this, that they got too comfortable in the blessings of God. And that is a danger for any church to get too comfortable without having any other challenges before them. Now the challenge that was before the Jerusalem church was a tremendous challenge. It was a powerful uh, challenge. It was a powerful a mission that was before them. When Jesus called them, and he called his disciples, he says, Go ye into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world, and proclaim this gospel. The calling that this church had was a worldwide calling. It wasn't just a calling for their immediate province or for just Jerusalem. But it was a challenge that was given to them and a calling that was given to them 
to not only evangelize Jerusalem, but to also go into Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. But it is sad to say that they were not obedient to this heavenly calling. And because of that, we find that there was great persecution that came to the Jerusalem church. You read about it in the book of Acts. There was famine that they had, a, they, they confronted. There was also, uh, poverty that they confronted. Persecution that also came their way. And all this happened because of their disobedience and not going beyond the region of Jerusalem and going into Judea, Samaria, and continuing to take the gospel of Jesus throughout the entire world. But this church of Antioch was a totally different church. If we would want to pattern our church after any church that is in the New Testament, I believe that any church would want to pattern themselves or compare themselves with the church of Antioch. It was a church that was a visionary church. It was a church that was full of the Holy Ghost. It was a church where constantly as they gathered together to have fellowship and to break bread, and as they gathered together for their worship services, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit would take over and God would speak to them in their services. A real powerful, powerful church that we find in the New Testament, the church of Antioch. Now to describe it to you, just give you a little glimpse of the type of church that it was, I would like to just read a few passages that we find here in chapter 13. And I want you to listen to this very closely. The Bible says in chapter 13 that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now you notice what it says? They ministered to the Lord and there was also fasting that was involved. It was a church, a separated church, a fasting church, a church that when they gathered together, they gathered together for one purpose, and that was to minister unto the Lord. I think that this point is a very important point for us to acknowledge this morning. So many times, you see, it's important, the attitude that we have when we come to the house of God. Do you know that in a service there could be people that are so tremendously blessed, tremendously blessed that they, they feel the power of the Holy Spirit and they're just ready to explode. And then they walk out and say, man, the power of the Holy Spirit was surely there in the service this morning. While there are others that possibly came to the very same church, sat, sat in the same chairs, and somehow did not receive anything from God. One walk, walk, walks out, claiming and, and professing and, and testifying of uh, how a tremendous blessing and tremendous experience they had, while another person walks out and says, I didn't receive nothing and I didn't get anything from God. And the reason why many times is because of our attitude when we come into the house of God. It is so very important for people to have the right attitude when they come to worship God. Now these people had the right attitude. The first thing we find is that they ministered unto the Lord. I think that our main priority when we come into the house of God in our Sunday morning services, it is so very important for us to learn that we're not coming to say, give me, give me, give me. It's not a give me, give me prayer. And it should not be a give me, give me prayer coming with a whole list of, of petitions that you have that you want to bring before the Lord. It's not just a one-way street. But when we come into the house of God, we should come with the purpose that we want to talk to Jesus and make love to Jesus and pour out our hearts before the presence of Jesus Christ. I think the best way to really get in tune with what God wants to do within a service is coming in and begin to make love. You know, now there's some guys that are very eloquent and talking to their girlfriends. And yet when they come to church, they bomb out. Some guys have a lot of gab, you know, and they tell their old lady, man, you sure look beautiful. And even the way, even the way they say it, you know, esta de aquellas, you know. 
o de Puerto Rican, I got papo, I'm teasing papo today. Que chévere te mira hoy, you know. <laughs> and yet when they come to the house of God, I'm saying that so that he could learn some of that slang, Brother David over here. And yet when they come into the house of God, they come in with a gimme, gimme, oh God, help me in this, oh God, gimme the, oh God, the very prayer of their mouth is all a gimme, 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 pediche all the time, gimme, 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 gimme. I think the first attitude that a church should have and a people should have is when they come into the house of God, you're coming to just tell them how you feel and how you love him and begin to acknowledge him and begin to uplift his name. You know, it's beautiful to say, Jesus, you're so beautiful. Lord, how I love you. Oh, God, thank you for delivering me yesterday. I praise you for setting me free. I praise you for giving me this husband that is sitting alongside of me. <laughs> Even though he's still not all perfect, but he might, may not be the hand, handsomest man in the world. But oh, I praise you for that. Oh, I praise you for that wife. Oh, I praise you. Oh, I praise you for this. Oh, I pray. A heart full of gratitude. As we begin to praise him, as we begin to worship him, things begin to happen. See, there is power in worship. When you begin to praise him, when you begin to worship him, something suddenly begins to happen within that congregation. There's a tremendous atmosphere that begins to take place when God's people learn to worship the Lord. This is why I love those songs that we sing when we're singing not about Jesus, but we're singing to Jesus. Now, there may be some of you who may not even know the difference. See, when we're singing, like, Jesus, how lovely you are. You're so precious, so loving and kind. You know, a song like that. So many songs that we're singing not about him, but we're singing to him. And something begins to happen when you are directing yourself directly to Christ. When you realize that what you're saying, you're saying to Jesus, and, and it's a relationship between you and Jesus, and, and you're lifting up your heart and pouring out your heart before the very presence of the Christ who loved you, who died upon the cross, who resurrected from the dead, who ascended up on high, and sits right at the right hand of the Father. It is a tremendous experience when you acknowledge that you're worshiping Him. So, these people, this church was a tremendous worshiping church. And the thing that I would like to point out to you this morning is that our church is committed. There are commitments that we have made, and these commitments I want to bring out to you this morning because I want you to understand what we are committed to. And we've been committed now for a number of years. I want you to understand what this church is all about this morning, what this ministry is all about. That if somebody would ask you, what about your church? I mean, what is the, what are the goals and what is the characteristic of your church? And, and, and could you tell me the personality of your church? You'll be able to speak to them and say, we are a church that are committed. And if they say, well, what are you committed to? You're able to say, we're committed to this and we're committed to this and we're committed to this and we're committed to this. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. First of all, our commitment this morning is that we are committed people. We're committed to worshiping Christ. And this is why we want to see within our, our meetings, our celebration services, we want to worship and we want to, have, we want to have true worship. We have our singers, we have our singers prepare, we have our singers pray, we want our musicians to be prayed up, we want our musicians and all the pianists and all everybody that makes any instrument, any joyful noise unto the Lord to acknowledge that we're doing it unto Christ. And everything that we do is to worship Him. So we are a worshiping church, first of all. Now in worship, there's that making a joyful noise. There's nothing wrong in making noise. Some people say you can't make too much noise, you know. Well, there's nothing wrong. In fact, the Bible speaks about it. Psalms 34, it says, Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth, sing the glory of His name, give Him glorious praise. God is not nervous about noise. People are the ones that are nervous. God is always not nervous. 
Somebody said he ain't tough either, you know. But he's not nervous. And we could make a, no a joyful, as long as it's a joyful noise. Now, there's different kinds of noise. There's noises that are uh, the agonizing noises. For instance, some people get too excited and they get excited in the wrong way. I also believe in, in, in turning loose. You know, our church, we should be loose. If you like throwing a few steps, it's okay to throw a few steps. You're not going to offend Brother Sonny. Now, I wish I could throw a few steps and sometimes the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh don't cooperate. But oh, it's so beautiful when I see somebody in the liberty of Christ. And that happened, I think it was last service we had, last Sunday night. We had a Holy Ghost prayer meeting here. Remember that everybody stayed? We had a beautiful time in the presence of God. There were a few guys from the Teen Challenge in Pennsylvania. They've been coming and being with us here in our services. And suddenly one guy, he got all caught up in the Lord and he just had his own little meeting. It was a little, his own little relationship and experience between him and God. He got into the, that one of those uh, aisles. I think he was on the corner aisle. And he got over there and he started all over the place. I mean, he was dancing all over the place. Every Different people were praying in different ways, but he was having a time. And I looked at him and I said, praise God, he's having a time and he's dancing unto the Lord. See, there's nothing wrong in dancing unto the Lord when you're dancing unto the Lord. I'm not talking about any sexy, you know, dancing in sexy movements. Anything of God is not like that. The things of God are, are, are pure. The things of God are, 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 are precious. And so th there's a time of, of, of worshiping. Even David himself, the King David, when he was bringing back the ark, he was, he was dancing. And even his, his wife said, you're beside yourself. You're making a fool out of yourself. He says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. All I know is that I'm dancing and I'm praising my God. This is the attitude that one should have. That your, your relationship and your experiences between you and God, not doing it because showing off, not doing it because you could receive attention, but you're doing it unto God. And you're doing it the best way you can, an expression unto God, a love expression unto Him. So there's that dancing, it's okay. Some of you are some heavy dancers out in, in the world. Now you get saved and you don't dance anymore. And it's okay, you know, it's right that you're not supposed to dance anymore, but, but you can still dance. You can still dance. How many used to dance out there in, in the world? How many were out there? Ooh, yeah. Well, you get saved and all of a sudden you become so formal. Listen, you can still throw a few steps in the Lord, it's all right. The only difference is you've changed partners. Before you used to dance, dance for the devil, but now you're, you're dancing unto Jesus. I remember in, in, in New York, you know, sometimes we try to make everything so mystical. We think that mysticism is, is, is spirituality, you know. We try to be mystical so that we could look spiritual. And there are some people that really have some funny ways. I've seen people that they, they, they think that by the, the, the weirder movement of their body, it is more spiritual. A more spiritual appearance. They have some go, ooh, ooh. You know, I had one guy going, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, and then, and in some of the meetings in, in, in the back east sometimes, I mean, the more wounded you were when you got out of the meeting, the more, the more spiritual the meeting was. There'll be sisters getting woo. I even witnessed one time a brother was raising his hands in a tremendous blessing. He goes, oh, hallelujah. And his sister went, woo. It hit the poor brother right in the face. I mean, they used to have some real bloody, bloody services. Now, I couldn't say that in England, bloody, bloody services. Woo. Bloody, bloody services. And the more bloodier it was, 
the better the service. I mean, holy, oh, God moved in a tremendous way. You see my black eye over here? And God doesn't move that way. You know, God is a, is a, is a gentle God. I, I think that if somebody is going to start dancing, I don't think you even have to step on anybody's toe. I think he's able to give you such grace that you're able to dance in the, in, the, in the midst of a whole lot of people and not even touch their toes and not even step on anybody. He gives you a grace. There's, there's a grace about, about the moving of the Spirit of God when it's a genuine move of God. So in worship, the priority that we have for, for this year that we want to see within our congregation, we want strong worship within our church. I want you to come and, and feel free that you could worship God in spirit and in truth. Don't be intimidated by anybody as long as you're doing it unto the Lord. Worship. Secondly, not only is our commitment, and again, I'm talking to you about it, even a greater commitment this year that we should make. Not only is our commitment to worship, but also our commitment will continue to be to outreach. Now, those of you that have been around for a while, you know that we've always been committed to outreach. Now, the type of outreach that we're committed to, I want to bring out the different types of outreach so you understand. First of all, we don't want to make the mistake that others make. We find that there are some churches that they're looking to evangelize the world and they neglect Jerusalem. I mean, their vision is so big. They're thinking about Africa. Oh, Africa. Let's pray for, and I know there's a need in Africa. Don't take me wrong. Or let's pray for India. And far regions around the world, they're praying for and they're reaching for when all along they're neglecting their own backyard. But if you notice in the Great Commission, when Christ commissioned the church, the Jerusalem church, he says, first, Preach the gospel in Jerusalem. Don't neglect your home. He who neglects his home is worse than an infidel, the Bible says. So the priority, the first responsibility that we have in any evangelistic thrust that we make is, first of all, we must take care of Jerusalem. That means that we should have our penetration, community penetration taking place within our surroundings. And I... We're getting ready for that. We've moved here into, La, into La, La Puente area, Bassett area, and we're getting all ready. In fact, all these homes, we're going to be hitting all these homes. We're, we're just getting, we're just loading up our ammunition, getting our, 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 our soldiers ready, getting all the troops ready so that we could begin our invasion and we could begin a community penetration within this area. And you know that it's our responsibility? It is not God's will for a church to come into a community and not share that beautiful, precious gospel to the people that are living within the community. So pretty soon we'll be hitting this entire area and taking the message of the gospel. We'll be hitting those nice homes, and at the same time we'll be hitting the, the ghetto and the nice homes and the middle class homes because the gospel is for everybody. You know, there are rich people that are miserable and unhappy. I said that in an early morning service, and somebody said, Amen, we sure are. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but somebody said that. They said, an Amen, we sure are. And it's a fact that it's true. Sometimes we think that only the poor people need the gospel and that money is going to buy happiness. Money never buys happiness. Money never buys peace. Money never buys joy. It may be happiness for a little while, but then after that it's all over. So if anybody needs the gospel, those people need the gospel as well as the down and outer. As well as the goody-goody or the middle class. So the gospel is for all. And community penetration. So we're going to be involved in community penetration. But not only community penetration, but also we'll be involved in releasing people to ministry. And this is something about a characteristic of our church. We never have a shortage of ministers. You ever notice that? One goes out, God raises up more. Right? Do you know there are people sitting in the, 
I was going to say pews, the people sitting in the chairs right now, and even in our morning service, I mentioned a few things about world evangelism, and some people came to me and said, Brother, I feel the calling of God. You know? We have people in our church that are just itching to get out there and be in full-time service that are willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. You say, well, why is it and why is it possible? Why is it that we don't find it in other churches that all they do is send money to the remote parts of the world, but they're not involved in any form of evangelization, even in their community, and you don't find ministers uh, springing up within their congregations? Why is it? It's because a church without a vision is a dead church, and a dead church will never produce life. But when a church is on fire for God, when the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is moving within a church and there is life within that church, that church will produce fruit. And we see that happening in the church of Antioch. Listen to what it says. And they ministered unto the Lord and fasted. There was a lot of fasting. You know, in our church we have people, a lot of fa people that fasting people. We have the intercessors. People even, even praying right now for the service this morning. That's why sometimes I get up here, I may be tired, I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost because there's a group of people that are in a room somewhere say, Oh God, anoint Sonny! Oh God, move and melt the hearts of the people! Intercessors that are involved in the ministry of intercession. So the Antioch church was a church that they ministered to the Lord in worship and then they fasted and then it says, And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Now, Two of the members of that church were two tremendous people. They had great, tremendous men. Saul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was one of the members of the church of Antioch. Not only Paul, but also Barnabas, another tremendous man that God raised up, was another member of the church of Antioch. And it goes to show you that these, even these tremendous men of God, they had a home church. I don't believe that anybody should be floating around without having a home church. You should have a a home front, uh, you should have a, a home church where you're submitted to, where you're attending, where you're contributing, where you are putting all your efforts into the work of God. And these men were men that they had a home church, they were members of the church of Antioch. But the beautiful part about it that I want to bring out is this. You notice what it says when they were fasting and praying? It the Holy Ghost said, you notice that? Did it say the pastor said? It doesn't even give the name of the pastor of the church, but it says the Holy Ghost said. That means that God was speaking within that church. And not only did God speak within that church, but also the people were able to respond to the, to the voice of God when he spoke. It's so important for us to be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit of God when he speaks to us. You know, some of you are so deaf to the voice of God. It's sad when somebody, when there's a person that can't get word from the Lord. You know, the people that can't get word from the Lord are always asking somebody else, what do you think? What do you, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? They don't know how to get a hold of God. And it's not God's best. Even though we need to have counsel, it's not always God's best for you to always depend upon the counsel of other people, I think first of all we should go directly to God. And God is able to speak to us. You find in the Bible He spoke, His voice, His, His message was heard within the church. He spoke directly to the people in the church and He said directly to the people of that church, separate me, and He was very clear and specific, separate me, separate me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called and do you know that this is exactly, again, we find the same pattern, we find the same thing happening in our church? Why is it that we send our people? You know why people, you know why David and Donna are going to be going to New York? It's not because, Brother Sonny, it's because the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said, separate David and Donna for the work of the ministry that I have called them. He speaks to the leader of the church. And let me share something with you. This is one couple that I didn't want to let go. Man, I hassle with this decision. In fact, one time I told him, David, you're going to be going out. And then after I told him he's going out, 
I said, no, no, I'm not going to say I need him here. I need him here. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I need him here. I need them both here. They're too effective. I'm not going to let them go. They associate work. Pastor, okay, put it out. An associate pastor needed. Job description so and so. A good church. A good parsonage. Good salary. Come, we need somebody. Those churches are, are churches that are not reproducing. Those are not New Testament churches. You find, and you don't find any New Testament church here where they had to advertise for people to come for places of leadership. From within their own church, from within their own assembly, whatever need they needed, whatever need existed within the church, God always raised the man and raised the woman to meet that need from their own midst and from their own congregation. I'm not saying that other people cannot come. God has ways of placing people. And we've had that happen in our church. And when God does that, it's beautiful. Brother Reuben wasn't saving our ministry. He's a square. Was a beanie bopper. Was a whippersnapper. Now, Brother Ruben was out, you know, and he was just quiet, running along. Anything about Jesus, he's all right, you know, anything about Jesus. And, and I guess Brother Ruben was praying and said, Oh, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. You know what the Lord did with him? That's why you got to be careful about praying that prayer. You know what God did with Brother Ruben? He put him, okay, you want ministry? He put him right in the men's home. All of a sudden, I had him, in the, he came to me, and he started playing, he started playing piano in the men's home. We had a broken down piano years ago. And I didn't have, we didn't have no music. So he came around, he said, man, I, you know, I like the ministry, I like to do music guy. I said, well, come on, brother, we got something for you to come on in the home. And he walked in the home, and he says, all those bigotones, you know, and guys, you know. All those tattoos and those guys with marks, you know, and, and he's saying, wow, man, you know, we got some heavy dudes in this place. And, well, Ruben, help us with the piano. So he started, you know, helping with the piano, and before you know it, you know, there's something about the ministry that it becomes contagious. It's, it's something heavy, you know. You, you get you get in the, in the atmosphere with a fire, where there's a lot of fire, it's going to fire you up. It'll either drive you away or fire you up. The very same principle works if you're in a dead church, then you become dead. If you're in a church where there's the fire of the Holy Spirit and God is moving and there's a purpose and there's a mission and, 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 and there's, a, there's a calling upon that church, it becomes contagious. This is why we even have all the way from Amsterdam, Holland, we have a whole family that has come and they're going to be here one year, Fetty and Susanna, his wife, and they're staying in Victory Outreach one year. They left everything so they could come to America, be involved within our ministry because they want to go back to their homeland and take the message of the gospel and establish a Victory Outreach in their homeland. Because they realize it becomes contagious. You know, all these people, hallelujah, praise the Lord, let's fast, let's pray, let's seek God. And in the home, brother, room started playing over there before you know it. The Lord told him, I want you to live here now. He started living in the home. And then from the home, it's just a step, one step, and he's always saying, I'm only here for time, I'm only here for a little while, you know. He's been here ever since. I'll tell you, years. He's been around for about 50 years this time. <laughs> ministry. Ministry. We're, we're involved. There's a calling. There's a commitment that we're involved in. And the Antioch Church was a church that they not only fasted and they sought God, but God spoke and God said, separate me this one and separate me that one for the work of the ministry. You know when that first happened to us? Now I understand what God is doing. But it's funny the way when God begins to work within a person's life, sometimes you don't understand everything. You know what happened in the beginning of our ministry? What did I know about sending guys out, about opening up churches? I didn't even know how to take care of my own church, much less open up another church. I wasn't up in Glass Street in that old building in Glass Street and preaching and just telling about the love of Jesus. But somehow, in the preaching, God will always get the man of God 
And under the anointing, begins to empower him and begins to give him words that sometimes he didn't even have in his outline, but that he begins to say. And I found myself sometimes I'd be preaching, all of a sudden I start speaking, you know, there's some pastors that I thought I was going to raise up over here, evangelists and papa and all this. And I start talking, I said, wow, did I say all that after I said it? And then there was one guy, suddenly that came to me one day, little short guy, he looked like a little gangster. He always used to be short. But boy, he was, you know, he used to talk like a gangster. It's like an easy lady. And him is Garavito, Silver. No, he used to talk on the side of his mouth. Hey, brother, Sonny. <laughs> he did a lot of time in San Quentin. Oh, little guy, little guy. The bad, he did that mean look. Bad little dude. From the, from the barrio of East LA. And he come up, he says, it's, and, you know, the guy was speaking, the guy, he was just praying, hallelujah, glory to God, and always seeking the Lord. And then he comes to me one day, eyes bulging red, and, brother, brother, Sonny, I've got to talk to you right now. And I said, this must be serious, you know, he says, I said, I talk to you, I've got to see you alone right now. And then I went on the side with him, and he begins to tell me, brother, Sonny, I don't know if you're going to believe this or not. But God, and you go like this, he's looking around, you know. And he had his hand like this, you know. God has called me to the ministry. You know, looking around like that, you know. And I, 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 I looked at him, you know, I, well, I don't know what to do with him now. You know, God is calling me to the ministry. What am I supposed to do? So I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find out what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden, he wants me to tell him what to do. And I said, okay, well, if he call you to the ministry, brother, he'll open up the ministry somewhere. I said, just stay faithful, praise God. And, and then he went ahead and he started a Bible study. I don't know if he got saved. Say, I think he may have gotten saved around there or something. But he started a Bible study. And all of a sudden, people started coming to the Bible study. And then he started growing, and before you know it, he came up to me and said, what do I do with all the people? And all of a sudden I said, well, it looks like the Lord has given me a church, so go ahead and let's plant a church. And we went ahead and we, that was the very first Victory Outreach Church that we planted, and that church is still in existence today. That's the Pico Chapel Church, the very first church that was planted by Victory Outreach. And you know, God works in the serious way. That after... The church is planted, he was there for a little while, he got the church going, and guess what God does? All of a sudden, one night, Gilbert goes and lays down in bed, and the Lord took him. I don't know, one Sunday morning, his wife calls me up, and she's weeping, and she says, Pastor Tony, something, something happened, and I said, well, what happened? And she says, well, you've got to come, you've got to do something. She says, we can't go to church. I said, what do you mean you can't? What's wrong? She says, Last night, my husband went and went to sleep, and he lay down in bed, and he never woke up. And he says, I tried to shake him up, and he was dead. The Lord took him. I said, the Lord took him. I said, what am I supposed to do now? Here we have a young man who's just getting the ministry going, a very first little baby church. I mean, he's still on his feet. We're just getting the thing going, and all of a sudden, the Lord takes him. And then I said, well, what are you going to do now? I look at the congregation. I said, well, who do I stand? Who's around here? What do, what do I do? You know, and I had me a bunch of some heavy characters, you know. And that's when old Philip LeCoux, you know, was around, you know, over there. And uh, real, you know, slick-like and, you know, you know, very servant self. Hallelujah, praise God. God has called me to be an evangelist, and I'm going to be an evangelist, and I'm going to go out and preach around the world. And all of a sudden the Lord says, you see that little guy right over there, skinny guy? He's whisking in me those days. See, that guy talks a lot. I want you to get a hold of that guy, and I want you to place him in that church. And then I remember going over to Philip. Philip always says, I'm not going to be a pastor, man. I'm not babysitting nobody. Praise God. I'm going to be an evangelist, you know. I told Philip, Philip, come here, Philip. I said, you know what the Lord is doing? I said, you know what the Lord told me to do? The Lord told me to take you and to put you in that church. He said, you can't do What are you going to do now, Brother Sonny? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The Lord told me to take you and put you in that church. 
He said, who? I said, you, and put you in that church. And I says, I want you to give me a commitment for a year. You can't get out of that church for a year. You know, he says, all right, if that's what God wants, all right. And he wasn't too happy, but I said, all right. He went in that church, and he did his time for one year. <laughs> but in that year, there was a molding that took place, and by that time, God not only molded him and with him, the Lord showed him what a pastor goes through. The Lord showed him how to have the heart of a pastor. The Lord showed him to have the compassion for the people. The Lord showed him how to work with impossible cases and possible problems. And after that year, then the Lord says, okay, now you can release him, and I have somebody else that you can place, and you place somebody else. But that was our very first outreach uh, uh, church that we planted, the very first church that was planted by our ministry, by Victory Outreach. And I was in something that did not originate with me. I did not plan it. I did not even purpose it within my heart. It was something that was totally done by the Holy Spirit. It was something that was totally done by God. And my friend, since then, God has been doing it, repeating it over and over and over and over again. One of the guys that I wanted to keep with me, some guys are like, you get a cash you want to keep. He's like, David and Donna, we're going to keep them. That's an effective ministry. And then the Lord says, release them. Oh, God, just when I get them up to here, that man, there's tremendous help. you got to release them. And one of the guys was Cal. You know Cal? And what a blessing he was in our church. He came up to me, and also that little gangster talk a little bit. That is funny. You know, this page. That is funny. That's something to tell you. I'm going to be a back-to-back partner all the way. He says, I'm with you until the tires fall off. And even if the tires fall off, I'm with you all the way. He says, I'm going to, I'll watch your back, man. I'll be, I'll be over there. You know, he's always can't curtain talk, you know. He's getting paid, but still can't curtain talk. He says, I want to watch your back. I'm saying, is anybody after my back or something? Does anybody want to? <laughs> oh, I get paranoid. People want to, you know. And then all of a sudden, one day, the Lord says, get a hold of this man and send him out. I said, no, Lord, no, 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 Brother Cal, I want him here. We need him. We, we have to have strong leadership or we're going to have the uh, strong church. And the Lord says, I want you to send him out. I went up to Cal and I said, Cal, I, you know, the Lord has been dealing with me and it looks like, you know, you're going to be going out. He says, you know what? He says, I knew you were going to tell me that because God has been dealing with me about that too. And in fact, we were looking at San Bernardino and we were starting to feel a burden and a compassion and a vision for San Bernardino. And shortly after that, he was launched out into San Bernardino. So what I'm saying to you this morning is this, that God has given us a mission. There is a purpose why we're here. It is not just a blessing experience. We're not here just to receive blessings of God. We're here because God has placed us together. Yes, we will be blessed of God, but there's a mission that God has given us to accomplish. There's a calling that he has laid upon this church. And not only community evangelism or preaching or evangelizing or reaching out into Jerusalem, but also Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. In fact, right now we're going into cross-culture evangelism. That's the next step that I see our church going into, cross-culture evangelism. You know what that is? Uh, in fact, David and Don are going to have a little taste of that. So we're really going to be going to cross-culture evangelism with a whole different language when we're going into Amsterdam, Holland. And I can foresee somebody God is going to raise up from our church right here. Somebody that never even knew any Dutch people. Never spoke any Dutch whatsoever, may not even know the customs, may not know nothing about that country, but there is going to be a burden, and there's going to be a compassion, and there's going to be a, a moving of the Spirit within a person's heart, and God is going to raise up somebody from this congregation and usher them out right into Amsterdam to begin to win the drug addicts and the prostitutes and begin to win those people that are living in darkness. Of all people who go to New York, I didn't think God will raise up David and Donna. But the last time, they're going to have a little taste of cross-culture experience. And I was over there with him in New York, 
I was trying to break them in. I said, you got to eat some of this Puerto Rican food, man. And he said, take me to a Mexican restaurant. You know what's going to happen to him when he goes? You know what he's going to have to eat? No, no, not arroz con frijoles. You know what he's going to have to eat? Arroz con habichuela. I'll tell you what else he's going to have to eat. Mondongo, mofongo. Alzapurria. All these things that we never experienced before, he's going to have to eat that. He's going to have to get over there and learn that Puerto Rican slang. Mira, está chévere, man. Que todo lo que está pasando, chico, ven acá. You have to learn all that. And I, I, he said to me, well, this time that we're going, we're just checking it out, spying the land. He says, the next time when we go, he says, I'll get down. All right, then I'll start learning. You learn cross-culture, different culture. You've got to reach people. And God calls us. But not only does God call us, but God gives us the grace. You have Brother Fetty. It's the Holy Spirit that, that brought Brother Fetty and Susanna. They were here in the morning service all the way from Amsterdam. The Lord pressed upon her, go to victory outreach. You need to get trained in victory outreach. That brother for two years, stirring inside of him, I gotta go to victory outreach, I gotta go to victory outreach, I gotta get trained in victory outreach. They left everything. They left home, they left everything. They gave their furniture away, gave everything, and they said, we, we're going to America, and we're going to go to Victory Outreach, and, I, and they're going to stay here one year on the training, so that in turn, later on, they could go back and begin to evangelize and reach that, that, that country and that, that community for God. And I don't see them going back alone. I see some people going back with them and going back into a place like Amsterdam and take the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friend, I tell you this, this morning, you're involved in something good. If you've come into this church, this is not a church that is playing just church. You are involved in something good. We're involved, and we take it serious, the word of God. We're involved in worldwide evangelization. Not only in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but unto the uttermost parts of the world. So there's that commitment to outreach. And you know it takes finances to do that? We go out, we have to support them. We support everybody that goes out. It takes finances. And then also we're involved in a strong commitment to the edification of the saints. We can't leave that out. You know what's wrong with some churches? All they preach on is go out, go out, go out, go out, but they're not building the people. But over here we want to build our people. We want our people to understand and learn the word of God. This is why... I could foresee us developing even more a school of ministry. We have our school of ministry once a week, but I could see that developing more because we want to disciple more men and women so they could be more equipped. And the most effective developing of men and women for ministry is the Timothy principle. Not only information, but exampleship. In 2 Timothy 2.3 it says, the things you have heard of me in the presence of many witnesses and trust them to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. So it's an exampleship type of experience. Not only do what I tell you and don't do what I do, but whatever you do and whatever you tell them, that you need to back it up with your own life. We should be example, exampleship. So very, very important within ministry. So not only are we sending our people, but we want to develop them in the Word of God so they become grounded, they become men and women of God. The whole project, this whole thing, now I'll, I'll finish with this. This whole land that God has given us, you know what the vision is? Establish a strong stronghold, establish a strong fort, not just to have a big church. I'm not really interested in having a lot of, uh, just a big church with numbers. That could be an ego thing. With some people, even preachers and teachers meetings, sometimes they get all wrapped up in that. If one guy says, how many do you have? And the reason why he's saying how many do you have is because he wants you to ask him in return so he can tell you how big he is. We're not involved in that in numbers. In fact, I'm, I'm dead to that. You don't see this anymore. We're filling up the church. And it's gonna, no, if it's going to fill up, it's going to fill up naturally. 
John Philip Nash, I'm not looking for a whole lot of big numbers. If God wants to give us the big numbers, or, or if, 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 I believe a church is going to grow. Any church that is full of the Holy Ghost, it can't not help but grow. But the purpose of our growth is not just to say we have a big church with four or five thousand, but the purpose and the motive for our growth should be that we want to be a lighthouse and a beacon throughout the world. That we could launch out men and women to the four corners of this world and establish a work that will glorify God and be instruments of righteousness in the hands of God and be a lighthouse not only in our community, but throughout the entire world. That's the vision that we have. And you'll say, oh, Brother Sonny, he's beside himself. No, it's possible. He's taken the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Taking people like you and I. So last of all, we're shooting for growth. What kind of growth? Internal growth. Internal growth. You've got to be careful about just the, when I say internal growth is edification. Expansion growth. There's different kinds of expansion growth. Biological, and we're growing bio, in a biological way tremendously. Have a lot of babies around here. Babies are born every, every week we have babies born. So many dedications. But not only biological growth, we have transfer growth. People are coming from other churches into our church. And we welcome anyone if it's God's will. We don't look to pull people out of anywhere. But people, God sends our way, and it's the Holy Spirit that is sending them. We welcome them. And we welcome them into the fellowship. We welcome them into the vision that God has given us. So there's also... The growth, which is called transfer growth, people coming from other churches, but then there's the conversion growth, and that's the most important growth that any church should have. People getting born into the kingdom of God. And then there's the extension growth by planning other churches, and then there's the cross-cultural growth. And we've just about hit all of them. The only one that we need to hit now is that cross-cultural growth, and this is what we're getting into now. So... You talk about this ministry, a well-rounded ministry, and the reason why we are excited is because we have a purpose and we have a vision. Hallelujah. And you're part of that vision, and it's going to take a strong commitment, sacrifice, faithfulness, and dedicated people. And I pray that this conference, God will speak to you. In fact, even this, after this morning, God wants to speak to you and deal with you about you giving your all to Christ. You don't have to be afraid of Jesus. Anything that he'll ask of you, he'll give you hundredfold in return. You know what's wrong with us? And go ahead and play softly on that. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.